Welcome back to The Vault. I've got a special announcement before we get to this week's episode. Arjun has just launched a new podcast called Profit First for Lawyers. If you'd like to learn how to boost your law firm's profits and experience financial confidence like never before, you'll want to listen and subscribe to this podcast. And on August 28th, he's releasing Profit First for Lawyers as a hardcover book as well. You can get all of the details and order the book at www.profitfirstforlawyers.com. Now back to this week's episode. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind Arjun Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and it is for serious entrepreneurs only. This week's episode comes from Arjun's seven main parts of a business episode of the Lawyers MBA webinar series. In this collaboration with Dre Redfern from Daniel's Head Insurance, Arjun teaches the value of empathy in law firm marketing and explains why getting clear on client avatars affects every aspect of your business. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjun is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjun, I try to take it and be a sponge. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjun's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's, it's growth the whole way. Hey there, and welcome back. Dre Redfern here. And in this month's edition, we are on location at the How to Manage office for the How to Manage and Daniel's Head monthly webinar. So we're going to be covering a variety of topics today on the seven pillars of a small law firm and really taking things to the next level for you in your practice. And excited to do it here on location at the How to Manage offices. So Arjun, excited to be with you, man. Happy to have you. So diving into it, uh, let's frame it from the top of what are the seven pillars of the successful practice and then sort of reverse engineering that we go one by one, start to finish sort of like in a crescendo at the end. Right. So let me preface this by saying these are the seven main parts of every successful law firm that I have observed. This is not a prescription. This is not my edict. I'm not telling you this is how it has to be. I'm telling you that after working with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, I mean, into the tens of thousands of small law firms, this is what I have observed. I am reporting to you what I see. If you don't like it, complain to reality. Don't complain to me, okay? This is just, I'm a reporter here, okay? Sure. Um, I've worked with literally more than 10,000 small law firms and Law firms are very simple businesses and, and that triggers some lawyers when they hear that because a lot of lawyers feel overwhelmed. A lot of lawyers feel confused. A lot of lawyers feel like there's like so much going on and they're like, it's so complicated. It's really not. It's kind of like when you pull your laundry out of the dryer and all the socks are there. 
and you start sort of separating the dark socks from the light socks and the dress socks from the sports socks and the high socks from the low socks. And pretty soon it starts to make some sense, right? But there's a lot of lawyers who I fully appreciate are going to be triggered by the notion that law firms are actually very, very, very simple businesses to run compared to almost any other kind of business you can imagine. A law firm is a relatively simple business to run. There's only seven main parts of every successful law firm. And they're the same seven main parts of every struggling law firm. Marketing, which is everything that is done to bring the right kind of prospective clients to the right place at the right time in the right frame of mind in the right quantity, which leads to sales, which is everything that's done to convert the prospective client from being a prospective client into a paying client. There's production, which is actually the work itself. Maybe it's being done in a systematic, organized, efficient, predictable way. Or maybe it's being done like a fire drill every single time. But that's the third main part is the production. Uh, the people, receptionist, secretary, paralegal, associate, rainmaker, manager, junior associate, senior associate, owner, the people, right? Um, and it's important important to make sure you define the role by the by, by the skills required to do the job, not by the credentials of the person who's actually doing the job. Physical plant, here we are. Um, you know, we have way more physical plant here than we need. Uh, Post-pandemic, this office is mostly empty. We have 125 or 150 full-time employees. Only 20 people work here now. 13,000 square feet of mostly empty physical plant. <laughs> um, and uh, financial controls, budget, budget variance report, cash flow projections, uh, AR, cash position, uh, work in progress, and uh, and then your goals, right? And and the whole business is supposed to be working in service of you and your goals, your financial goals, your personal goals, and your professional goals. So I mean that's it. That those are the seven main parts. There's levers, there's dials, there's switches, there's buttons. Um, I've run out of analogies, but there's just so many things you can do to make a law firm work better. And it's either going to be in the area of marketing, sales, production, people, physical plan, financial controls, or you and your goals. Seven main parts. So let's sort of break them down <clears throat> during our time together. Uh, going from the top, we've talked a little bit about marketing previously in some of the older episodes. So if we were to say like bell curve it, um, you know, there's obviously going to be outliers on either side. What would be the the key elements uh, of marketing that you would say, if someone hadn't watched any of our previous you know, stuff together, that you would say, you know, make sure you cover these one, three, five things when it comes to thinking about marketing or actually marketing your practice. Right. So first big mistake that I see lots of struggling lawyers make. And it's so frustrating because you see a lawyer who's, I mean, she's just as good as a lawyer as, as, as the other one. He's just as good of a lawyer as the other one. They're willing to work just as hard. They care just as much about their clients. And they just struggle because they don't bring in the right clients. And people think that they aren't bringing in enough clients. But usually the problem is not that they're not bringing in enough clients. The problem is they're bringing in the wrong clients. And because they're bringing in the wrong clients, they end up starving the business of cash flow and profitability, and the whole thing just sort of cascades into all these other problems. 
and shows up looking like I don't have enough business, but the problem is you got too much of the wrong business. So first thing, and I, and I know this is like a cliche and, you know, depending on when, when you're watching this, this may be the buzzword du jour. Uh, but I mean, I've been using this word for 20 years, so I'm just going to use it. It's figure out who your avatar is. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be just one. Yep. Who is your firm set up to serve? And, you know, you can help anyone, but you can't help everyone. Like how to manage a small law firm. We manage as of today, we manage over 650 small law firms all around the country. We are, we are by a long shot, the largest provider of management services of outside fractional timeshare management services for small law firms in the country. We can probably help any small law firm. I mean, there, it, it, I can't even begin to imagine a, a practice area, a city, a state, that we couldn't apply our methodology to and produce phenomenal results. We can help anyone, but you know what? We can't help everyone. We have a six month waiting list for some of our premium services. We can't help everyone. And so it's very important that you get clear on who you want to help, right? Who is your service built for? And it's very scary for someone who is struggling financially to say, my service is not meant for these kinds of people, right? And you don't have to disparage those people. You don't have to say that they're assholes. You don't have to say that they're terrible people. You don't have to say that they have bad cases. You could just say, you know what? This business is not built to serve this kind of person. And it's not built to solve this kind of problem because it's built specifically just for these kinds of people and just for these kinds of problems. Much better to run your business that way. If you're clear about the clients that you're attracting and, and the clients that you're marketing, that should make the sales process then significantly easier, more streamlined. You know where it shows up a lot? It shows up in staffing. I believe as far as the fulfillment of it, as far as the staff and the training, as far as protocols. Well, so, so for example, classic mistake, right? Classic mistake, and, and I don't know why lawyers all think this makes sense, right? Um, they got a family law firm and a criminal defense firm. Just think about this for a minute. A family law firm and a criminal defense law firm. So let's suppose you are going through a divorce and you've got kids and you are going to go to meet your lawyer and you're sitting in the reception area waiting for your appointment and you're sitting there next to another client and you strike up a conversation and maybe you even have your kids with you because you're going through divorce with kids, right? And you strike up a conversation with the person sitting next to you while you're both waiting for the appointment with your attorney. Um, oh, armed robbery, you say, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, it's just the reception area that you set up for the criminal defense client is different than the reception area you set up for the family law client. The reception area you set up for the family law client who doesn't have children is different from the reception area you set up for the family law client who does have children. The estate planning client isn't interested in the same magazines as the, I don't know, immigration client, right? Um, you, 
but if you don't know who your avatar is, you don't know who you're setting up the reception area for. And then you don't know who you're recruiting staff for. Because the kind of receptionist who's going to have the kind of personality and the temperament and the belief system and the values who's going to be gung-ho and excited about helping you protect people's rights against an oppressive, overly zealous police state, that person might not be the right person to, you know, be showing the kind of empathy for a person who is, you know, been run over by a truck and has a personal injury case, right? And so the avatar, who the client is for, it, it just affects every part of the business from the marketing to the sales to the staffing to how you set up your policies and your systems and procedures, everything. And, and it's like if you plant the wrong seed, you're going to get the wrong crop. So <clears throat> if people are coming in via your marketing, what would be the high level, a couple of the high level elements then when it comes to sales? Because sales tends to get a bad rap. Sales is sleazy. They think of the used car salesman with the slick back hair and khakis, like, you know, trying to, you know, skate one on you. And that's not what sales is. Sales is service. Sales is one of the most loving, generous, giving things you can do for another human being if you know how to do it the right way, which, you know, when I went to law school, they didn't offer any classes on sales. <laughs> you know, when I graduated from law school, they didn't offer any CLE courses on sales. Uh, sales is like a verboten term and word and concept. And, and, you know, and, and then you go to most lawyers who graduate from law school who wind up going to work for a big law firm. The owners of that law firm don't want their associates to master sales, right? Because he or she who controls the clients rules the firm, right? And if I want to keep you boxed in, I was going to say in bondage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You know, if I want to keep, if I want to keep, keep you working for my firm, I don't want you to know how to go out and generate your own business. Cause if you know how to generate your own business, then why do you have to work for me anymore? Right. The rest of running a law firm is real. The rest of starting up and running a law firm is very simple. I mean, back in the, back in the, back in the, the, even back in the, in the, in the mid to late nineties, when I started, I mean, I started in 1999 in the world of law firm management. Back then, to start a law firm, I mean, you needed a physical space. There was no virtual law firms in 1999. You needed a T1 line, which was expensive. You needed a server. You needed a room for the server. The server was a big box. You needed, I mean, you needed a lot of equipment. It took a lot of capital to start a law firm back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even into the late 90s, early 2000s. Nowadays, I mean, anyone with a laptop and a Zoom connection could start a law firm, right? And so the, 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 the managing partners of the big law firms are scared, right? They don't want their associates to, to, to know how to sell legal services, so they make it seem like the dark arts, and it's not. It's very simple. It's very professional. It's very ethical. It's really fun once you learn how to do it. So what makes uh, an attorney successful at sales then, if it's not the dark arts? Um, well, obviously, my preferred answer is, well, they've taken classes from how to manage a small law firm on how to sell legal services, which we offer lots of courses and workshops and programs. But really, 
Um, sales is a skill you can learn, right? Uh, but even if you don't have the skill, you can still be really effective selling legal services if you genuinely give a shit about the client, right? Make it about the client. Take your ego out of the equation. Get clear on what you're selling, which is a huge mistake most lawyers make. They don't even know what they're selling. You talk to a family law attorney, what are you selling? They say family law services. You talk to an immigration lawyer, what are you selling? Immigration services. You talk to a bankruptcy lawyer, bankruptcy services. That's not what they're selling. They don't even know what they're selling. So that's the first problem, right? They don't know what they're selling. They put their ego in the way and they don't let it be about the other person. So your question to me is what's the number one skill that a lawyer needs to sell legal services? Uh, the number one skill is empathy. Empathy and curiosity. Why would those be the two most important skills? Empathy because the client isn't coming to you because of how great you are. They're not coming to you because as, as, as a tribute to your greatness, right? They're coming to you because they have a problem. And this problem is causing cascading problems in their life, right? This is the person who's scared. They're confused. They're overwhelmed. They're intimidated. Or maybe they're frustrated because they've got such an enormously great, amazing opportunity, but they don't know what to do with it, and they're frustrated that they can't maximize. The point is, this person is having a human experience. They're having a human experience, an emotional human experience, and they're looking for relief, empathy, right? If if you don't give a shit about the fact that the person sitting across the desk from you or in the other side of the Zoom from you is is having a human experience, well, then you're going to do like most lawyers do who struggle with converting prospective clients into paying clients, which then leads to having problems with having uncooperative clients, which then leads to not getting enough referrals, which then leads to the client mistreating the, the lawyer's staff, which then leads to legal staff being you know low morale and lots of turnover, right? If you go into the sales call and you don't care about the other person and what the other person is going through, well, then you're just going to go in there and like, well, I went to this law school and I got the best grades and I've been practicing law for this many years and I'm the greatest lawyer and let me tell you more about myself and are we, you know, and and let me show you my diplomas and let me show you my credentials and this law firm is this and this law firm is that. Meanwhile, the person on the other side of the desk, they just want a solution to make their life better, right? Empathy. No one brings you a problem laid out like a law school exam. It's a mystery wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a in a riddle (laughs) i mean that's the legal problem right they're 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 coming to you and they say i need a divorce do you really need a divorce or do you need a divorce so that you can live up to your fullest potential do you really need to live up to your fullest potential just to live up to your fullest potential or do you need to live up to your fullest potential so that you can be a better role model for your kids, right? So really, are you after a divorce or are you after being a better role model for your kids? You know, uh, I need to uh, get my immigration status resolved in this country. Really? I mean, you just woke up and you had nothing better to do today. You had nothing better to to do today. We could go to the movies. We could go to the beach. We could go to the park. We could... 
I know what to do, honey. Let's go deal with our immigration. No, I mean, they're, 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 they're coming to the lawyer to solve a personal problem, right? There's something going on in this person's life that has bubbled this personal problem up to the top of their list of priorities and pressures and issues. And if you don't have curiosity to find out what's really going on, what's really driving this, I mean, you're just going to miss, you're going to miss what it's about, right? And, and then you're going to have a hard time selling the service because it's going to be, you're going to leave it up to the prospective new client to make the connection between this legal service and getting what they really want. But if you are curious and dig in and find out what they really want, I mean, it's the old thing. No one buys a, uh, a shovel because they want a shovel. Want a hole. Do you want a hole? Or do you want to dig a swimming pool? Do you want a swimming pool? Or do you really want to have some activity you can do with your kids on a hot summer afternoon? Do you really want to have some activity you can do with your kids on a hot summer afternoon? Or do you really want to have a lifetime of memories with your children before they go off to college and aren't interested in hanging out with mom and dad by the pool in the backyard anymore. So really, what are we buying when we sell that shovel? The emotion tied to the memories with your children. For some people. If and that's, if we're asking questions and going down that vein. Yeah, but it could be a thousand different things. And you know what? The very next client who's coming in to buy that shovel might say, no, 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 no. I'm here to increase the property value. I don't have any kids. I just want to increase the property value. The shovel equals increased property value. And the next prospective new person who comes in to buy the shovel is like, no, no, no. If you really get into it with them and create an environment of trust where they actually believe you give a shit about them, you'll find out that it's really about showing off to their neighbors. I have a pool and you don't. So three different clients. One's buying the shovel to have lasting memories with their children. The second's buying a shovel to increase the property value. And the third one wants to show off to the neighbors. And, you know, we could interview the next 900 clients that come in the door over the next 10 years, and every one of them is going to have a different answer. But if you're not curious, you're not going to find out, and then you're always going to be have a mismatch in what you're offering and what they're really after. And not only will that make it harder for you to make the sale, your conversion rate will be lower. There's going to be more objection to price. And then when you start delivering higher property values, to the person who really wants to show off to the neighbors, or you start delivering, uh, you know, uh, lasting memories for your kids to the person who wants higher property values, is always going to end up having the clients always end up being frustrated. And who they take it out on, they don't take it out on you, the lawyer. I know the lawyers think that the clients take it out on them. They take it out on your staff, yep. and that's why you have low morale and turnover. So the avatar, I mean, it just. It just has such a huge impact on every part of the business. It's, it doesn't get nearly enough attention. Thanks for listening to this week's episode from The Vault. If you want to hear more valuable lessons from Arjun, listen and subscribe to his newest podcast, Profit First for Lawyers. In this podcast, Arjun will guide you towards increased profits and financial satisfaction for your law firm. Learn more about the podcast and the book at www dot profitfirstforlawyers.com. dot com.